Hey, what's up, everyone? It's uh, it's your boy Q. Just uh, waiting for Kieran and Mikey to show up. Um, we have quite a bit to talk about today. Um, some of you may know, and you know, you might you might know this because you've been following the drama on Twitter. You might know this because you were listening to the unredacted show that I did with uh, Glenn earlier today, um, or just because, like, I don't know, your local club. Uh, if you're a member of the Communist Party of Canada, has been in an absolute fucking uproar about this. Um, but yeah, I, along with uh, Kieran and Nigel Cherry and Micah Heron and Mike Oldfield, uh, we were all purged from the Communist Party of Canada. And that's why I haven't been around the last uh, couple of shows. Uh, we were dealing with a hell of a lot of shit. Um, you know, we we're dealing with the uh you know the lack of response from the party leadership and then members of the party that were attacking the uh the the victim of sexual harassment uh and then it was people that started people from the party that were attacking us for standing up for the victim and then this huge conspiracy apparently emerged uh wherein we were accused of engaging in factionalism and all sorts of other things. And, uh, yeah, as of last week, um, uh, comrades uh, Kieran, Nigel, Micah, Michael, and myself ended up getting purged out of the party. So, yeah, it was, it's was. it been a lot to deal with. It's been a lot to deal with, you know, being called of uh, – being sorry, not called, but insinuated, it being insinuated – that all of us are part of a like a uh, you know a bourgeois plot to bring down the party, which <laughs> party of less than a thousand members. I mean, yeah, sure, the the entire state has to turn its uh, its forces against you, you know, and honeypot us into it. Um, that uh, we were you know accused of engaging in a political factionalism, although I'm not really clear on how, as to how that could possibly happen when there's no political line we're pushing aside from. Yeah, if you're the party executive, you're accountable to the membership. Um, and I gotta say, like, I'm not even gonna lie, it's been a rough fucking couple of weeks. Like, people haven't been able to uh, to get a hold of me and are probably, you know, somewhat worried about me. Like, I've, you know, been able to start reaching out to people today and over the last couple of days and just let them know, like, hey, I'm alive, I'm okay. Just feeling a little bit shitty about the entire thing. But, uh, yeah, it's been, I gotta say, it's, it's fucking sucked. Um,. That all being said, like, I don't want to sit around and mope on, on that matter, because frankly, I'm not all that interested in, like, you know, re- sitting here navel-gazing or engaging in self-pity or anything like that. What has been occurring to me, though, and, and Kieran, I think, has had the same thoughts, because we've, we've talked about this a lot, is what what the fuck are we supposed to be doing now? Like, if the political parties that say that they are the revolutionary vanguard that are standing for the people that uh, they stand against uh, the bourgeois state, against exploitation, against capitalism, imperialism, etc. If that's what they say, but that's not actually what they're doing. And in fact, many of these parties, um, not just you know the Communist Party of Canada, but you know uh, socialists and communist parties in the U.S., in the U.K., elsewhere, it seems as if there's a lot of tailing behind popular uprising and popular revolts happening rather than actually leading the workers' revolution. And the the, uh, the problem that I've been having for a while, and now I can talk about it openly because I'm not part of the uh, the party anymore, is that it, it does feel like we are experiencing, the not if not 
simply the conditions we are experiencing like the reality of revolution and it's happening in slow motion uh in the sense that you know there isn't a, a single like armed uprising taking place but we are witnessing you know in uh, a resurgence in latin america of a return to socialist politics in north america we are seeing like populist uprisings happening like almost on a once a week basis uh, in Canada, we had a major populist uprising, i.e. the truckers' convoy, which many people want to you know, argue as to whether it was a workers' uprising or not. Frankly, I don't think it really much matters what you want to describe it as. The fact of the matter is, you know, many people who were at the, uh, the trucker convoy are genuine workers. Uh, and the reason that they took up, uh, took up protests against the other uh, government was because of, um, you know, rules that were enforced under the auspices of a vaccine mandate, but in fact, whereas the state assigning more power to itself and essentially saying, if you don't do what we say, you can fucking starve. You know, there's a uh, um, populist uprising happening in Europe, especially in uh, France. There's a long-term populist uprising happening in the UK. But the question is, what do we do about any of it? And how do we, how do we position ourselves to lead? And how do we actually engage in the act of leading if all we're doing is just repeating the same talking points that you're hearing on CNN, MSNBC, etc., if we're in a constant state of reaction to world events rather than leading or at least uh, being able to give voice to what is happening within those world events, can we really call ourselves communists? So uh, until Kira's going to get, be getting here in about five minutes, Mikey, well... Mikey is Mikey, so we're going to hang on a minute until he gets here. But uh, I see that we've already got a caller up. Uh, Steve, what you got for us, bro? You can unmute yourself by uh, tapping the microphone shape button in the lower right-hand corner. Yeah, I'm not sure. My- yeah, your mic is working, although you sound like uh, you're sound like you like 50 feet away from the microphone. Yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm driving right now. I'm at work. Okay, okay, got you. Well, you know, this is a podcast for workers, and you're working, so <laughs> what you got for us, bro? Well, you know, I used to be, and then uh, after the uh, collapsed, and I am in the New York City area, but I, I can't get it. All I'm saying is um, on a lot of the buildings that I've worked on over the years, a lot of them are now empty, and all the offices are gone. All the office jobs are gone. All your factory work. So when I hear people talking about the work, I just don't see how the workers' movement can recover without a strong manufacturing base. used to have. And, I, yeah. and a lot of my friends... You know, when I tell them my father worked until they shut the factory down, and then Westinghouse was you know, caught up and sold, and uh, the, the, the main division was a South Korean. Like, oh, your father worked in a factory? Like, the suburban New Jersey, they don't realize, young, young, young people, I'm not that old. I'm, people my age will recall the factories that New Jersey. Yeah. Patterson, New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, the same exists, uh, the same conditions kind of exist for Toronto. Like, Toronto did used to be a city that, that made things. We uh, The area um, right down by the lakeshore that we now call Liberty Village did used to be a major manufacturing hub. As a matter of fact, we had a Westinghouse plant here. Uh, cities like uh, Oshawa, which is like a few towns over from me, I'm out in the, uh, the Durham region. So I'm just like, you know, a couple towns east of Toronto proper. And... Uh, Oshawa was in danger of having their General Motors plant shut down. Apparently, it's been revived, but you know who knows for how long. The Stellantis plant out in Brampton, same situation where it's always in danger of shutting down permanently. And I think you're right. Um, we we do have a different understanding of what constitutes work. We've moved from 
a an industrialized and manufacturing based economy to a service economy, and then much of the service economy is composed of bullshit jobs, jobs that can barely be said to exist. Um, and I'm talking about like middle management jobs, account executive types of jobs, and so on, where what you're responsible for really is like managing customer expectations, etc. But the actual work that's taking place, uh, most people are so far removed from the products and I would say like the even most of the services that help them get by on a day-to-day basis, most people are so far removed from it that they can barely even conceptualize it. I was uh, one example of this is, you know, I've uh, gotten back into uh, to woodworking just as like, you know, I, I like to make things with my hands. It's like a sort of, sort of a form of therapy for me. It helps me clear my thoughts and meditate. And I was having a, a conversation with one of my carpenter friends the other day. And he was saying, like, you know, you, you could actually, like, what you're doing, you could actually make a decent amount of money doing it if it was a completely different uh, time and day. Like, making cabinets, making custom furniture and that kind of thing which I'm fully capable of doing. But the problem is people are used to going into Ikea and buying cheap cabinetry, buying cheap or cheaply made furniture there where it's not made by human beings. It's made by, you know, precision guided robots using low grade materials, you know, where it comes to uh, even the, uh, the food that we eat. Uh, I was having a conversation with a farmer friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying like, one thing that we really have to do is get um, farmers back in communication with uh, with consumers and vice versa. The people who buy agricultural products and you go to the grocery store, you're just too many degrees removed from the source to really understand what's happening with prices. And people are going to be incredibly shocked, you know, in a few months when the, uh, the chicks that are being raised on poultry farms, the calves that are being raised on dairy farms and on slaughterhouse farms, or like, uh, you know, like meat cattle farms, uh, they're they're born now and the the price of feeding them and maintaining them is so much higher now than it was a year ago and you're not going to see the sticker shock at the grocery store for a few more months yet but when you see it it's it's going to make people shit and what's going to have to happen is that we're going to have to remove the middlemen i.e. industrial agriculture and uh you know the uh, the, the grocery industry and reestablish relationships between farmers and people because unfortunately, we don't have any connection to the things that we use, that we consume, um, what forms part of our daily lives. And that's part of why the manufacturing sector has essentially abandoned North America altogether. Uh, even Mexico is moving into a state of almost uh, post-industrialism. They're losing factories uh, to Southeast Asia. And the reason for that is because we want to be able to consume things and consume them for cheap, but we have no appreciation or put any value on how much work it takes to actually make the products that we use on a day-to-day basis or the food that we eat. Does that make sense? Hey, there's, you still there, Steve? All right. Well, hey, I'm going to assume that because uh, uh, Steve said he's driving, so he might not be he might not be in a place where he can actually uh, answer the phone. Steve, feel free if you uh, are able to hear this. If you want to come back and finish your point afterwards, I mean, there's no, no rule against uh, you hopping up to the caller queue uh, two times. Um, before we get to our next caller, Sean, I just want to say what's up to Mikey and uh, Kieran. How y'all two doing? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. What's up, Kieran? How you doing, Mikey? Good. All good. All things, <laughs> All things considered. All things considered. 
yeah, I mean, it hasn't been as I was saying to the uh, you know to our, our listeners a second ago. Hasn't been the greatest couple of weeks. I would say it's actually been like some of the most depressing couple of weeks that I've encountered in a long time. But you know, I'm just uh, using I'm using like my artistic endeavors to to get past this entire shit. Um, Kieran, how how are, I wanted to ask because I'm going to see you on Saturday. But how are you faring lately? A little yeah. louder. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, you can barely I can barely hear you, Karen. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, much better. Is that better? Yeah. yeah. I'm just sad about some people who have turned out to be not the people that I thought they were. Principled people, principled communists. So, you know, but that comes with the, that's part of life, I guess. How are you doing, Q? Me? Um, I, I think I've already regaled the listeners with enough of my personal turmoil. Uh, Mikey, I haven't spoken to you for a couple of weeks. How you doing, bro? Mikey, are you there? All right, we're gonna we're gonna assume that Mikey's he got he got got by the feds. All right, Sean, what you got for us? Until Mikey comes oh, back, God. what you got? Is that the is that the kind of thing I'm exposing to myself right now? <laughs> I don't know. This has been really weird. With uh, um, yeah, there's it's actually the app itself. The app has been a little bit buggy over the uh, the last uh, week or so. So they I'm both seem that's... they both yeah, seem bit... muted right now. Yeah. Uh, well, here in sending a bit far away, but uh, maybe Mike was experiencing technical difficulties. We'll be back in a second. What's up? What but, you got for us, though, bro? Uh, I just wanted to share my experience with uh, DSA in Broward County, Florida. Oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's, oh, that summarizes it. There you go. No, no. Um, I, I, used to li- <laughs> I used to live in Lake Worth, so I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it was all developed after the 50s, so it's a suburb- completely suburban area, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, very low density, so a lot of um, animosity from people that you know nobody knows. I mean, it's a huge, you know, two four million people um, in South Florida, more now. Um, but it's the way it's developed. Uh, there's there's no concentration, so there's very little solidarity. I mean, there's no solidarity. That word would be like no. I mean, South here. Florida is is really just like a you know it's a series of gated communities and like low income communities and not really much in between. And then, like Correct. you know, dropped here and there are like you know multi million dollar mansions from rich fucking aristocrats that only live there for part of the year. Absolutely, and they're boats. Don't forget they're boats. And they're boats. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the uh, the experience I've had with uh, with DSA was bizarre, and in, in the sense that I ended up, and I think this was rational, not paranoid. I ended up with a feeling that there's no way people could be this. So dedicated to the performance of revolution, and mm-hmm. so antagonistic towards its realization Actual in any in any practical way. Yeah. In, in the most peaceful terms, you know, I was uh, I was proposing. I mean, simple. You know, I mean, there are things that we could be doing, which is, for example, canvassing, but not just for elections. Um, you know, we could be doing. I mean, ninety uh, highways here are such an easy target, and by here, I mean in the states. You know. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't uh, cross the street and block off traffic, and really impede commerce in in other places. But here, because everything is so, you know, hinges on the highways, uh, especially the ones that are connected to the major airports. Yeah. I mean, a hundred people could really end up Fuck, in jail. Yeah, possibly, if you, if you were to, to like really, block off like an intercoastal or block off I ninety five, like you could really fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. If if you could, you know, find two hundred people that could take turns blocking it off. While you know they're being put in jail and out of jail and so forth, you could really 
exercise pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you remember the uh, the Muslim ban? It lasted about a week because a lot of people started protesting at the airports, which mm-hmm. caused airports to shut down, and you know because they couldn't fly because the crews couldn't get into the airplanes because they couldn't drive in because it was blocked off because so many people were protesting, and it wasn't even that much. But boy, that that was that that the Muslim block. Um, the Muslim ban came and went quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it was those protests, but boy, it, it sure looked like they helped fast. So, on a practical level, you know, there are tactical things that we could be doing, short of you know uh, actions that would need hundreds of thousands or thousands of people. Um, and these are the kind of things that were just completely opposed. Um, and I, I just I can't reach any other conclusion but that some people, for whatever reason, are keenly interested in joining these groups in South Florida. They are essentially the majority of the people that actually show up at the meetings. And I, I don't know. I mean, there's a gig out there where you get paid, you know, 10 bucks an hour to pretend to join one of these groups and just undermine it. Um, you know, because I just don't get how people cannot I've, be. I've always thought of DSA and, you know, there are DSA members who vehemently disagree with me on this, but I, I just haven't seen any other. I haven't seen any, um, you know, contravening. Right. Yeah, which is that uh, it's essentially like a funnel. It's you know it's a it's it's a wide funnel to bring people into democratic politics. Um, it's just, like it is. call them sheepdogs or you know cul-de-sac. It, it's no, it's it's basically just like casting a wide net through the um, you know through the auspices of entryism, which we know does not work. Like if what happened to Jeremy Corbyn and what happened to Bernie Sanders should right that that should explain to you in very plain language that. Absolutely. No, there there is no path through the Democratic Party. So, the Absolutely. the whole concept of the the DSA to me at this point is defunct, and it, so it doesn't surprise me that engaging in the action that might actually bring about a you know an intended result or change uh, through direct action, it's not surprising to me that they would be against that. Absolutely, and these were people that were nominally unrelated. I mean, this was like in, in meetings where twenty people. Some of them were you know this was through. Big part of it, right, was through COVID, right? So people, you know, we were having Zoom meetings and people were calling in from wherever they were, you know. Uh, Broward County is a huge place. And, I mean, to a person, everybody had, you know, basically had the same line. So mm-hmm. it was it was just too coincidental and too disciplined. And people that had just joined, some of them, others had been around for a while. But, <laughs> I mean, frankly... Uh, our government seems to have a lot of money to run interference um, because I, I can't believe that these people were not somehow remunerated for doing this. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, it might be called like record behavior or whatever, but frankly, I think like being a part of the DSA is itself a, engaging in a form of wrecking because it's energy that could be better put towards, I don't know, like other and more effective causes. Um, one of the other issues that I, I've had, and Kieran and I have talked about this as well, is whether there's even any point right now, and this uh, this is not like doomerism speaking, this is me asking a genuine question that I think ought to be asked, um, I, I don't think it's asked enough, is whether there's actually any point right now engaging in um, the party formation. Like, do we right now need, I, I'm not going to say do we need communist parties. I think they are necessary. But are communist parties ready for party formation just because they've existed for a long time? Or is it perhaps necessary to to dial back a bit 
and figure out what the fundamental necessities of the party necessities of the party are, what uh, goals that they want to accomplish, and how that can be most effectively done. And it has to be it has to start and end with the interests of the people in mind. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, but that assumes that what we have now are parties. I mean, that's like saying, you know, unions are only nine percent of the American labor market. But that assumes that that 9% is actually a union. I mean, these mm. organizations call themselves unions. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, if you've ever I, dealt I with it up, up close, I mean, right off, any teacher's union in, in Florida opposes striking. Like, on principle, I, I've, I've dealt with them. I've tried. You know, my wife's a teacher. I've tried to, <laughs> I've tried to radicalize her union. Uh, and, the, I mean, it, it's really amazing the discipline they have. Uh, to undermine their own interests. I mean, they've really internalized this, uh, the, the leadership yeah. of the unions, to an extent, you know, that they're not even unions. And I'm guessing your experience with, you know, with Communist Party was, you know, similar. I mean, th these things are calling themselves, as, it's a free country, you can call yourself anything, but, you know, uh, they're not parties. You know, the Democratic Party is it's not a party, it's a No, it's a political, cons it's a political consultancy is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I heard you right. discussing that before. And, you know, both, I mean, the whole election, you know, they're not elections, they're, <laughs> they're performances, you know, they're, it's like believing what you're watching at the theater. I mean, it's, you know, it's, so that's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is being called something illegitimate. I mean, what we have here is just a complete lack of legitimacy in, in the vehicles they claim to be. I definitely think we need a, a communist party. We need a yeah, Leninist I, party, to be exact. I, I think we do need a communist I think we need a communist organization per se. Um, right. I think that be, I think being able to call yourself a party can only come after, like, I, I think that can really only happen after you have like the support and you have like willpower from the people to be um, a political alternative. I think that a right. party that has less than a thousand members uh, and has not, I mean, the the growth of the Communist Party of Canada has sort of like come in spite of. The party's organizational right. capacity, right? Not because of it, it's because people are getting fed up with their political parties lying to them, so they're looking for an alternative. But the problem is, like, they've been dealing with a backlog of applications for years, and there's literally <laughs> like hundreds of applications sitting in backlog forever. And many of the people uh, that were awaiting their interviews uh, to talk about becoming a party member, many of them have rescinded their applications because of this uh, this whole mess that came out. So then the question is, like, are you re like you're a political party in name, but are you a political party in function? And I got to say, like, maybe it's just yeah, the, the rational know, answer is no. Yeah. Maybe it's just me being jaded. I mean, but I just I don't. Yeah, I don't feel like they are right now political parties. I, I think that what they need to do is is uh, spend a lot more time engaging with people, engaging with workers. And I know we have questions as to what constitutes a worker. But we, we do need to spend more time in our communities, need to do good work in our, in our communities. People need to know who we are, what it is that we stand for, um, that we're able to like reconcile some of the contradictions that they see in capitalist society. We need to reconcile some of the major political differences and these artificial differences that have been drawn between like conservatives and liberals and progressives and so on and so on. And, you know, try to help them to understand that the political differences are really just a smokescreen to obscure class struggle. I think right. once once we've been able to do that on a broad enough scale, then it's 
feasible to call yourself a communist party, but until then, you're a fucking book club. Right. A glorified book club. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Kieran, Mikey, what, do you guys have any anything to add? Because I don't want to monopolize this entire conversation. Sorry, I'm just hopping back in after getting disconnected. Um, so I was talking about party formations and parties in name only. And uh, I mean, they're kind of staggering to hear that there's like uh, hundreds of applicants in a backlog. That kind of like speaks to just how disorganized uh, the leadership is. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm honestly just curious to hear more about the current situation and, and recent developments within the uh, Communist Party of Canada and like what is like uh the best possible scenario in terms of changing that clearly like ossified unaccountable leadership oh boy i mean the 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 convention the central convention is happening this weekend so we'll see what happens i was actually willing to stick it out and and see what happens at the central convention as to whether they will let any of the members of the central executive back into um, back into the central committee my, my my guess is that they probably will allow most of them back, if not all of them. I think that Liz Rowley may end up getting replaced as party leader. That That, that is entirely a possibility. But I don't think that addresses some of the, the root problems that the party has. So I, I, I don't know. As to what's going to happen is anybody's guess. I was going to stick it out, but they expelled me from the party first. I was told by people secondhand... Uh, they were like, hey, you know, I, I got a uh, message informing us that you were expelled from the party, but they did say, if you want to, you can appeal the decision um, and see about possibly returning to the party. And I said, you know what? Like, now they had they had the opportunity to do the right thing, and they didn't. They told us to, yeah, like, punish us instead. They did not say that. In the, um, there, so Liz Rowley is Sorry, Karen, I can't even hear you. about that? Liz Rowley is lying because there was not anything in the original expulsion email that anybody can appeal. And she's going around saying that, oh, yeah, they can appeal. They know they can appeal. Uh, but she is lying along with many other lies. And also, um, uh, you know, I, why would I appeal to a party where people are being harboring sex pests and breaking the Constitution, where the leadership can break the Constitution by not informing the club that they're harboring a sex pest? And then not even giving the members who have been working their ass off for years, like myself, a chance to defend ourselves or even a notice before expelling us and then slandering us all over, you know, their membership. I mean, why would I want to be appealing to a party like that? And there was no indication. And so, again, she's lying about that. I have all the emails and I've also posted. What was really frustrating seeing this play out kind of secondhand was to see after the fact that like, especially you, Karen, like, you really tried your best to go through proper protocols and channels and to keep this, you know, internal as it, it should be, you know, uh, barring all possible attempts at accountability, internal accountability to take place. And you let all that happen. And they still managed to cast you and people like Q and even the victim themselves as wreckers and... <laughs> 
people staging a color revolution, uh, which it really speaks to kind of like the level of the yeah, this is, that are going on as well. Um, this was the plan the entire time, you see. What, what, what the entire master plan was, was to have Jack be inserted into the Young Communist League as a possible honeypot for Jay Watts, like knowing okay, what his I, weaknesses you know what? are. I wouldn't even joke about this because this person... This uh, Liz Rowley going around taking everything you say and twisting them. So I wouldn't even joke about anything. Listen, I'm 100%. I, I'd be like, hey, he admits to it. I am not going to abandon my sense of humor because some idiot with, you know, who doesn't even know how to fucking use the internet, a cell phone would be daunting for her. I'm not going to change my sense of humor or alter my language just because this idiot doesn't, you know, know how to know how to take a joke. But yeah, like the only way that, that any of this has any. Um, the only way that this would, that would ever work out is in reality is like, you know, somebody was using Jack as a honeypot for Jay Watts, knowing what his weaknesses were. And that, uh, you know, one, after getting him into a compromising position, then going through the painfully slow process of actually trying to seek accountability. And even if all that was true, that would entirely hinge on knowing that the party executive would do the exact fucking wrong thing in the first place like uh, that entire plan fails if the executive and party leadership actually does what they are supposed to do which is to discipline the offender and to notify the local club of that discipline yeah, just follow the constitution cec failed to do for yeah. over eight months yeah so well anyway, what really staggering was. was like seeing the level that they're trying to extract quote-unquote accountability from people who broke, you know, uh, um, you know, internal issues into public forums, like that received much more like actual consequences from <laughs> from the central committee than uh, the actual uh, person who was sexually harassing young recruits. Like it just it, it, that was just incredible to me. So that that didn't rise to the occasion of expulsion for them. It, in fact, it, it resulted in a, what, what amounted to essentially a paid vacation, right? Uh, at, yeah. But like actually speaking out about the lack of accountability and the lack of, of um, uh, responsiveness to a very serious uh, problem, that was grounds for expulsion. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I still find it kind of wild that I got a harsher punishment. Kieran got a harsher punishment. Uh, Nigel and Micah, who basically like supported and like helped to keep the the victim on the right side of like mental wellness, uh, and Mike Oldfield, who stood up passionately for the victim, like all of us who basically like either stood up for or helped support the victim in the wake of all of this. Um, all of us got penalized more harshly by the party than Jay Watts ever did. So that's just, that's the thing. Like the idea of appealing to get back into a party that does shit like that. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I appreciate it. I, I felt like I did what I was supposed to do, but I am totally good. Um, also want to make sure that, uh, and, and Sean, thank you very much for the, uh, thanks for the comment. And listen, my condolences on that whole DSA mess. Like, yeah, DSA is one of those organizations that I wish didn't exist. And I will forever tell people that uh, if you're in the DSA, you're wasting your time and everybody else's by being a part of that organization. Uh, Narf, <laughs> what you got for us? Okay. Well, it's good that, it, that uh, I'm introducing myself right on the DSA note. Um, fuck the DSA. Uh, it's not a viable... Thank you very much. 
pathway in the United States. <laughs> That's my first point. Um, I was actually, I was the reason why I was actually uh, calling in is earlier I was listening to um, Abby Martin and her husband, uh, they their show, and they had, uh, you know, the, the quintessential, like, what they refer to as uh, neo-Marxist, postmodern uh, professor uh, who, who was, who was really trying to kind of, I guess, uh, give, give you this, this, uh, narrow view of life in the United States as it, as it relates to economics and how there is a viable socialist alternative to neoliberal capitalism. And I have to say, like, I think, I think, you know, there, there might not be a political viable, pathway but i think it really starts with us not having a cohesive uh ideological debate and i think that the people who have become the the um the most vocal proponents of the intellectual elements of socialism or dare i say marxism or communism or whatever you want to call it um and they they are like how can I explain it? It's like they went to a very cheap buffet. They grabbed all the trash. They mixed it all together. They tried to pander to everyone that they could get on their side. And what you have is is like ideological trash. And one of the points, you know, I had I had three questions for her, and I think she she demonstrated that she's simply a person who. Is is like would, a would a, a you go so far as to say we are done diving in the in the trash can of ideology? In the what? Never mind. I was trying to do Zizek. Sorry, make your point. Nah, that is definitely not Zizek. <laughs> Zizek sounds more like uh, <laughs> Z, listen. Zizek Zizek sounds more like uh, um, Sylvester the cat. So that's that, that. Every time I hear him, I, I think of Sylvester talking. No, it's because he has a lateral lisp, is what it is. No, that, that was better. Sweaty, that was way better. Okay. You gotta sound sweaty or cute. That was the I, one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was just asking if you're if you'd go so far as to say where you're done driving in the you, in you the have to grab your nose of ideology. Too. You have to grab your nose. I did oh, the cocaine stuff. You just didn't hear it. Oh, I, I wish I could have seen that. But okay. but here's 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 the thing, right? I and I and I think if we're talking one of, one of the things that we need to have a, a serious conversation about of people of color is our own identity and what it's really based on. My and this is my question to you: as it stands right now, the identity of most oppressed people, most people of of quote unquote color, right? Our, our identities are created in the shadow of white supremacy, meaning that everything that we do is some kind of a reaction to white supremacy and therefore not really us as, as people, right? We don't have our own identity yet. I think I, I, it's, it's, it's so fucking strange to me that there's white professors, white intellectuals, uh, white suburban women who 
go crazy when I tell them, you know, identity politics is garbage. It doesn't really drive anything because the false fetish, the false totem of race or identity or ethnicity or whatever ethno-nationalism that exists is counterproductive to the revolution of working people. It's counterproductive to, to the existence of oppressed people. If we don't have solidarity amongst all of us, there's no way that we would ever be able to get anything done. But this masturbation constantly to to the to the to the idea that that you know identity is the way to liberation. I don't know why. First yeah. of all, I don't understand why people legitimize it. And the second thing is, is why yeah. are white people so for it? Okay, that's a very good question. Okay, so I, I I'm gonna take or I'm gonna take a, a, a disagree. I'm going to disagree with what you said about uh, like everything that we do is in the shadow of white supremacy. It isn't. That's actually a very Afro-pessimist point of view, where like everything that currently exists, everything that has existed, and everything that shall exist, is like in some shape or form a response to or furtherance of anti Like white supremacy, yes, but anti-black. Sorry, you broke up. Cannot hear you, Q. I don't know if you're still talking, but I don't know if people can hear me, but I cannot hear you. I was actually really interested in hearing him. I think he might have got... Can everybody hear me? Yeah, I can That's hear you. One. That's what can happens you when you make fun of Zizek. Oh, <laughs> can you... back, Is this better? Back. Can you hear me? Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I take exception to the idea that identity is formed in response to white supremacy because it, it, it posits that, like that uh, white supremacy is something that has always and shall always exist. And that's just not true. Like white, the concept of whiteness, like white, the concept of whiteness, it was itself in service of white supremacy. Right. Um, but the concept is only a few hundred years old. Like we can only, we can trace it back to the mid 17th century. Prior to that, there was no cohesive concept of, of whiteness. It was actually um, created uh, partially in order to justify the slave trade and partially to justify um, European colonialism over the Americas and wherever else they, they felt uh, they had the right to dominance. Uh, as to the matter of what we do with it, I think, is the uh, the issue. So some people say that I'm like... I'm a identitarian or I'm Ed Pole or whatever because I talk about black nationalism or because I talk about racism and so on. I think that's incredibly, it's, it's overly reductive. It's almost like to say none of this stuff actually even matters. The only thing that matters is class. I mean, sure, but there are such things as class markers and class indicators, which are very easy to assign if you can assign them to skin color, right? So I, I, I think where people go way over the top with identity politics, which I don't even really find that useful to begin with, um, is where like they they believe that trying to uh, assign people of varying identities into positions of power within a bourgeois system is what's going to liberate us and overthrow that bourgeois system, which is absolute fucking bullshit. Like I don't believe that uh, Vice President Kamala Harris or um, Ketanji Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court is going to make a lick of difference to the average black person. I don't think this makes any any difference to us whatsoever. Um, I think I think though there is a bit of an overreaction on the part of people who profess um, socialist politics, um, even some who profess Marxist-Leninist politics, because they believe that we should never talk about race, uh, talk about gender, 
talk about uh, you know uh, sexuality, identity, or anything of anything of that nature. And if you do, you're automatically injecting it, Paul, and um, bourgeois politics into the discussion. So you could just basically label anything that you want bourgeois politics, and then it becomes anti-Marxist, which I think that's overly that's over reductionist. It's like anti-analytical. It's it's bullshit. However, you are right when you say that. Um, the way that this is deployed, especially by white people, is really fucking cynical. Because I'm sorry, like, you know, I have uh, some great white comrades out there, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna need everybody to get off the, like, just get off the dick of black nationalism. You know, like the Black Panthers. You know, glad that you like them. Glad that you have reverence for them. Uh, where where are your own versions of the Black Panthers? Where where are they? Why aren't you bigging them up? Why aren't you boosting them to the forefront? Why aren't you talking to like Why aren't you talking to white people and uh, creating a, a movement like that among dispossessed and you know uh, economically oppressed uh, white people in the lower classes who you know believe that they should be on the side of the uh, the bourgeois class and on the side of the elites, but in fact like they're being paid a wage in racism in order to distract them from their own. Uh, class interests. Go and have that conversation with them. Get off black nationalist dick is what I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can you hear me? Is my yeah. audio okay? Uh, you sound um, a bit far away, but yeah, I can hear you still. Okay. Move my mic closer. I don't know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that it is, like, easy to say, um, like, forget about ID poll. And I actually uh, agree with a lot of criticism of liberal what I call ID reduction, identity reductionism, where you are supposed to, um, you know, people use identity as a way to shield criticism. So, uh, for example, um, uh, you know, in in some case, in a certain case that uh, we're involved in right now, the person's identity who did the who did the sexual harassment. Uh, is being used by the leader of the party to say that somehow that excuses his behavior. Um, and, you know, that kind of stuff where somebody does something uh, that harms, actually harms another person, um, and then to say, or, 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 you know, does something that's super corrupt, for example, and say, like, you know, that somehow that, that identity shields them. You know, Lloyd Austin, um, like, okay, let me put it this way. Uh, Joe Biden, you know, who voted for the crime bill, who is totally, you know, big fucking racist um he's surrounded by black people his vice president is a black woman or half black woman his uh u.n representative is a black woman his uh um, press secretary the press spokesperson is a black woman his uh, secretary of defense is a black man like he has surrounded himself by black people specifically um so that he can do what he wants and you know and 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 all of that can be done under like a cover the cover of like well if you don't agree with so and so you are actually now somehow you know being a racist and 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 that's i think that there are like ways that capitalism co-ops everything it co-ops identity when it comes to race gender lgbt stuff i mean we can talk about this that does not mean that there isn't such a thing as um you know national chauvinism for for marxist leninists out there or racism for for everybody else um there is such a thing there is such a thing as bias there is such a thing as even people who consider who white people or even non-white people um you know having all kinds of um biases against black people or other you know races like against asian people or indigenous people and that is a reality and that is a bias that those are biases we we grew up in and we do have them and i think that that is something that's uh subconscious for a lot of people 
uh, even people who consider themselves to be very anti-racist can have those biases. So I think that we need to be able to recognize that and then not fall into identity reductionism. Uh, because I think that it is important not to go, go into and just start saying like anybody who talks. I hate to interrupt you. Can I just add one thing? I'm just going to say straight up that the people that describe themselves as anti-racists or whatever, like if that's, if that is your, like your political North star anti-racism, I'm almost going to guarantee you're probably going to be one of the most racist motherfuckers I'll ever meet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanna, I wanna see action. I don't really care what you call yourself or don't call yourself. Uh, all I care is about what you do when push comes to shove. That's what I care about. I don't care what you. I don't really. I, I'm sick and tired of labels and titles and people trying to just, you know, perform one thing or another. I'm anti-racist. I'm a Marxist. No, I'm a, I'm a whatever ally. Whatever. I don't care. What matters is when push comes to shove. Are you going to be able to recognize, for example, that the Communist Party of Canada has expelled three queer people of color? Does that matter? Otherwise, no. But it matters that that happened. And, you know, there are other, other aspects of this that we can look into, which I think are relevant to what's going on. So um, I think that we have to be able to uh, have an intelligent discussion, not like go full full in with the liberals or what anything like that where we're like oh we have to you know what's her name uh Syra Rao who like makes like white women pay like $2500 for like anti-racist dinners and then like you know yo i listen i respect that fucking hustle a lot of people no a lot of people a lot of people shit on her for that a lot of people yeah. shit on her for that but i was like nah dog no 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 if you can if you can separate these goofy gullible white women from their money, more power to you. Keep doing that shit, Absolutely. dog. Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. have to have a begrudging respect for that grift. Even I mean, if they yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll grant that, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, if you think that doing that is, like, exonerates you and then you're never going to be racist again, come on, give me a fucking break. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a long, long-term process. And anyway, but at the same time, yeah, we shouldn't fall into identity reductionism. And we do need to work with people of all, you know, nationalities and races and genders that is part of the working class working class is not just white working class people it's also black working class people and brown and indigenous and mixed race and asian and you know all kinds of uh people who are working class the other thing i wanted to say was that um uh the what you you were saying that the white people who tend to kind of be all about like hashtag blm and you know and they just want to like act like they're the least racist white person like that to me, or all they want to do is just like find white people who do anything that they think is racist and then be like, aha, you're racist. And like, or like they, they're like, they're like, oh, you can't talk to like rural workers. I can't talk to those people. You know, um, I, I, there is a laziness there where they just, if you're a white person, that's afraid to go and talk to other white people. Like, I'm sorry, but you're too pussy to be in any kind of revolution with me. There's a laziness there where they want to act like they're exonerated of whiteness. And now it's, it's like those other white people that are bad and they don't have to do anything. Right. So they can stand here and be, you know, um, allies. And I mean, some of them mean, well, I don't want to write them all off, but like it is a responsibility if you are there are people who won't talk to a black man like you or a brown you know short little queer woman like me okay they will talk to some like white blonde guy you know what i mean because that is who they respond to and it is your responsibility if you're a comrade to go and talk to those people and talk to them about racism and talk to them about national chauvinism and talk to them about class you know 
So, I mean, the, the, if, if people will listen to you, the, and then you, it's your responsibility to talk to them, no matter their beliefs. And you can't just be a comrade or an ally and just, like, never talk to those people because they're not, you know, woke enough or anti-racist or whatever. So, yeah, oh, man, I'm so glad that we're talking about this in particular because it's been really bugging the fuck out of me lately. Like, both a kind of, like... uh what I would consider like rad live factions, uh, well, but there's one that characterizes itself as, as kind of, uh, you know, Marxist in character. Um, well, actually, I don't even know if it's appropriate to call it rad lib so much as like red brown. <laughs> um, and, just, and I'm seeing it from some people who, you know, just months previous, I considered like a brilliant, insightful uh, person, you know, people worthy of respect. Uh, um, and, suddenly just seeing this very weird hyper reactionary turn that I feel is like an incredible overcorrection that's taking what are generally like pretty like easy uh, criticisms of liberal identity politics from the left and then making such a wild overcorrection that they're finding common cause with uh, Trump <laughs> with uh actual like right wingers uh and 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 saying that that you know like like uh approvingly like sharing messaging from like literal like fascist and white supremacists is okay because it's a critique of of liberal impulse i'll tell you exactly why i'll tell you exactly why like i'm gonna cut right down to the chase everybody yeah. likes being on the winning team for once exactly yeah that's all it is well, I, I know i know exactly I what you're talking about like, yeah, and I think another. another I don't think my point was like, about that. My point, no, no. I, I definitely yeah. wasn't well, a part I, I, that. Yeah, uh, Schnarf, I'm gonna get. Uh, first of all, I love your display name uh, and your your Abby, but uh, I, I do want to get back to that just in a second. But I think another aspect of it might be the fact that like a lot of these people uh, used to do like a lot more reading and maybe even some organizing in actual community, but have just been so like having kind of like a low grade uh, exposure to like toxic online <laughs> uh, to the point where the, their brains are just kind of like, uh, you know, hooked on it now and, 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 and having like platforms now and, and like a, you know, a kind of moderate, you know, micro celebrity on the left online following, like they're, they're addicted to that kind of like, um, you know, the endorphin rush that you get from having a take and you, and, and you don't think about it consciously, but just like, you you kind of start to instinctually under understand and recognize that the more uh, contrarian your take and the more edgy your take, the more engagement you get, and even that the negative engagement is positive for you because you get more you get more followers out of it. No matter uh, well, that you you're don't not, think that's you're not my selecting. No 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 no. That's not that's not that's not what I'm saying because I'm I'm about to get to uh, this liberal dramatic overcorrection that I find equally if not more. <laughs> fucking annoying uh and i would say counterproductive which is uh specifically speaking to this ridiculous uh thread from this white woman talking about other white women uh in the most white way possible basically essentializing white women as not only unable to organize but basically advocating for white tailism <laughs> where it's like you cannot be active agents in our collective liberation you have to take a back seat and just, you know, listen to blank people. And it's this politics of deference that basically allows white people to continue to do nothing 
but to do so wokely, <laughs> to feel much better about doing nothing because that is what they believe that you know, <sighs> people want from them. And yeah, this whole like you know cent- center blank people shit. I'm yeah. so sick and tired of that. Uh, you know, blank people told you it's usually like they'll they'll you know they'll uh, defer to the mother confessors uh, who are who to them are black women like. It's funny because, like, it used to be, um, you know, not even a generation ago. Like back at back when I was like in my twenties and even thirties, you know, it was it was seen as like a really insulting thing to describe black people as if they were magical, as if they were just like yeah. these like wise and sagacious, all knowing beings that were like sent from the heavens to remind white people of their their vaingloriousness. And now like we see that being wholeheartedly embraced as a form of politic. Like, no no no, you have to be getting your marching orders from black people. And it's like, what the f are you are you out of your goddamn mind? Like, just, just, like being a being a black person of any any stripe or variety doesn't automatically imbue you with like magical powers that give you like moral clarity and insight. All it means is that you might have a set of experiences that other people aren't privy to, but it doesn't mean that you have any form of like analysis of your experiences that is over and above what other people can analyze. It also doesn't mean that you have any solutions or answers to any of that. As a matter of fact, like the current the current crop of like activists and you know public intellectuals and leaders, etc tend to be people of a variety that their entire like their entire shtick is saying well i don't really have any answers like i have my analysis and I, here here's the here's a historical thing that happened uh here's my here's my take on why that thing happened here's how it may relate to the present oftentimes it has no relation to the current thing they're talking about but i'm not i don't have any answers i can't come up with any answers and i find that to be such a dangerous cop out because this is to say that none of the problems that we face have any sort of like historical origin aside from like historical origins in slavery which they never talk about the origins of slavery either i bet you're not one of these people who like have the 1619 point of view of america or humanity generally can even tell you when the fucking slave trade started couldn't even tell you the name of the first slave ship that set off from west africa but they have this like whole world view that they've constructed that has no origin and also has no solutions and i find that shit to be incredibly dangerous because it's basically just taking the scenic route to come back and say yeah the status quo is the status quo there's not really much we can do about it yeah but and also speaking to this particular thread uh their advice they immediately in the most comical ironic way they open up being like I am neither an activist or anyone with any type of organizing experience. That's that. Here, here is what organizers should do in organizing spaces. And it's just like, this is so fucking hilarious. Are you? Also, what? Yeah, and here's the other thing. Is they said I, need you to, I need you to link me that. Oh my gosh, I've been trying okay, to stay yeah, off yeah, Twitter I, and I, off I, the I, internet. I've been trying to stay off the internet for this exact reason, but I, I feel like I need I need this in my life. I need to see it. Oh, yeah, you know, you absolutely do. Because, like, okay. okay, so they also, they're, they're concluding, like, advice of how white women and white people in general should operate their bodies in these spaces <laughs> is, is, like... Oh, my uh, God! They, she got change. the bodies and spaces checklist off in one one sentence? Not even a paragraph, but... I, no, oh, I mean, Jesus I mean, Christ. This is kind of, like, a comical paraphrasing of her. I'm okay, sure okay, bodies okay. and spaces were definitely mentioned multiple times in this bit, but anyway... Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, her argument is basically, uh, and this is the visual. I need to be. I need is. to like re. I need to reconstitute my life so I can become a fucking black ops agent in Guantanamo Bay. This way, I can interrogate <laughs> bodies of color in liminal spaces. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh Jesus. Uh, I, I bet there's already an academic paper written exactly about that. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
uh, so, so uh, what, what she ends up saying is like, she makes this illustration favorably comparing a workplace dynamic to how white people should operate, white women in particular, should behave like interns and literally treating non-white people as the managers <laughs> and, and, and to, to, to basically defer on every decision to them like they are your boss. Uh, and it, uh, I just it, what if what if what if corporate neoliberalism but inverted? What the exactly? Fuck? Well, and this and, and this is what's so toxic. And I, I would say thing. even I mean, in addition to be so being so essentialist as to be ironically racist, like it is it is so counterproductive that it is like the perfect type of liberal politics to play directly into the hands of this representation, right? Uh, this. This is like, oh, we don't, we don't need to, to burn the systems down and build out of the ashes. What we need to do is just incorporate the right, you know, like shade and gender uh, and uh, sexuality uh, and lived experience of given key demographics that we should all be, quote unquote, paying attention to. And what this ultimately uh, resolves as is like, if you actually follow this, like this political project with any level of consistency, what you're going to get is fucking reactionaries and trolls who uh, quite rightly will, will challenge you and be like, well, if we're listening to black voices, then we must listen to Clarence Thomas. We must listen to Lloyd Austin. We must listen to Candace Owens, right? <laughs> like there's, there's, there's no way that you can, you can have like a consistent political project that leads anywhere other than there. If, if, if that is, you know, uh, your entire politics is just, it's just, we need, we need more representation in these oppressive genocidal systems. So yeah, should I, I was going to say, I, I would like, I, I would like, I, yeah, I would like for you to be able to respond. Cause that was, point. no, you go ahead, please. And, and if you have any response to that, cause you got like all okay. three of us basically, uh, re, you know, coming back with our thoughts, you go ahead. So I don't, I think I disagree with, with, a with probably 25% of what you said. And, and the truth is, is that the way, the way I look at it, and let me just put this in, 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 a, in the simplest terms possible. Race to me is not a scientific, genetic, or biological phenomenon. What it is, is a manifestation of inclusion and exclusion. And the inclusion and inclusion re revolves around culture, uh, society, economics, and politics, right? You can buy your identity. You can, you can move up and down. And sometimes someone puts you in your place at the point of a gun. That's basically the way it works. But what I'm trying and, – and with that said, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist because if you compare the value of black homes, Hispanic homes, and white homes in the United States, you can see a material difference. When you look at wages, you can see a material difference. You can see the numbers of people in prison. You can see the dead people at the hands of the police. So – I think what we need to do is have an analysis. Fuck class. We base it on two, two real things. One is money and the other one is dead bodies. And if we can center our focus when we discuss race and, and, and racism, really what we're not discussing, we shouldn't even be really discussing race. We should be discussing more racism than anything else. And if we center that focus around those two points, we'll get a lot more done. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I, you know, I'm going to say it. I'm not an activist or organizer. I could give less of a fuck what happens to this world. We're already in shit as it is. But 
and from an intellectual perspective, solvency is based on looking at things with real consequences, money and dead bodies. And if we keep jerking off, just like the rest of the, the, the neoliberal establishment, we'll just end up in the same circular pattern. I know you probably don't agree with that fully, but there are ingredients of that that should be incorporated more and more. The other thing is, is that if you reduce yourself down to a color as your ethnic group, it's kind of, it's bizarre to me why anyone would do that. We have tribal affiliations, we have ethnic groups, we have languages. How we reduce ourselves to, 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 to an adjective, a color, is bizarre, right? And the only reason why we do that is because it's a place of victimization. And instead of, you know, honestly, I don't, like, I don't even know how to, how to solve any of this as it relates to race. But I will say this is that if we look at the people who have become a part of the imperial experiment from the colonial experiment, what we see are a lot of, man, I can't even tell you when it comes to the third world, the, the grass or the evangelicals is insane. And you can't tell me that that's not white worship because we never had the cathartic release of us creating our own fucking identity of being ready to, 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 to just forge ourselves in our own image as opposed to the shadow of white supremacy as the shadow of whiteness. And here we are. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think that many of us have the ability. It's just it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort, and money in no short order, right? Like I was able to find out about my family history, which is why my name is no longer Andre Demise. It's Q. Anthony Omeni. Uh, and the Q actually does stand for something. Um, but it took me a lot of time and energy to figure that whole story out, to figure out that my ancestors were Muslim, where in West Africa they came from, etc. You know, we can still, like, if not construct, then restore these identities for ourselves. I don't think that white supremacy is just like... Um, but for what? Know. Pardon but me? for what? For what? But for what? For my, for my own edification, like... Right. You know, for me, for me to be able to re reconnect and reconstitute with my own my own ancestry, right? That's understandable. Yeah, that's understandable, and I get that. Trust me, I get that. But at some point or another, mm -hmm. our ancestors failed us. Well, I mean, if you so, if we're talking about like ancestors, as in like black people as a whole, I don't really know about all that because I, no, I, I'm, what I'm, what I'm, I'm trying I'm, to say is this. Yeah. I'm aware of, and, and I'm aware I, of how I said it that way. I'm, I'm aware of like what how I it is that my ancestors ended up in Jamaica, but yeah, go ahead. No, what I'm trying to say is this, my ancestors failed me. Yep. And, and the way I, and we have this, I don't, I don't understand why we feel such a connection to people that we've never met and we've never even touched, right? What they experienced and what happened to them and how they lived their lives is a hundred percent separate than what happens with us now. We create our identities every right, day, but we choose okay, to do that in the shadow Sorry, of, uh, just because wait a second, let me finish my thought things. Okay, yeah, Can I just, I, I'm almost done. We create our, we create ourselves in the shadows of two things, production and consumption, nothing else. I'm going to a thousand percent disagree with everything you just said. Uh, I don't completely disagree with uh, everything you were saying, but one, one thing really stuck in my head, which I don't think, I don't think we can let people kind of just get off on this anymore. Like, if you don't give a fuck about what happens to anyone or, you know, the trajectory of this planet or humanity as a whole, 
that's fine, but you don't get to have an opinion on anything else. <laughs> uh, especially in terms of like, you know, uh, how we can be active agents in our own liberation. What we choose to connect How successful to have you been with your own liberation? What's that? How successful have you been with liberation? Sorry, I, I, I missed it. Oh, how successful have you been with your own liberation? Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's here's the thing is that, uh, it, it depends on what, A, what you mean by liberation, B, what you mean by success, and C, how it is that one person's, um, you know, engagement in their own liberation can be engaged in the first place. Like it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a collect, it wasn't a singular effort to bring us to this place in the first place. So it can't be a singular effort to get us out of this and to actually achieve liberation. It has to be a collective effort. Like that's just the, the long and short of it. My whole issue is it's, it's a couple of things. One, it's, um, and I, listen, I, I'm not even going to grudge you the doomerism because frankly, I completely understand where it comes from. And I can't even really blame people. Like there are times when I, I, fight to not succumb to doomerism myself and i don't think that there's anything wrong with individuals that that kind of go down that path because frankly like look look at the state of our society dog like why why would you have any faith that anything can change so i i i understand that my whole, yeah my whole, I, you know i i i i also you know i concede to, to having feelings of doomerism and feelings of hopelessness and cynicism but i yeah. think once once you espouse that publicly as your kind of like your stance on things, you stand around uh, to critique any anyone what anyone else is doing at that point. Because if you're not doing anything precisely because you feel like there's no point, then you don't get to have an opinion on it. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I feel like no. I feel like every. I feel like everybody. No, I, I kind of feel differently. To tell people, you, you, no one has the, the 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 power to tell someone not to have an opinion. I'm going to have an opinion. I'm going to say okay, it I mean, as long exactly, as I can. I mean, you're, but you're I'm gonna, just saying, you can't tell people not to talk. No, no, yeah. What, what, what I mean to say is. Uh, your opinion uh, basically ceases to have any meaning to me if your if your permanent attitude is that you are not going to play any role in fighting for a better possible world because you have given up, right? Can I and can I, I, I you know I've, I've can I offer something that, that sounds so liberal? Hold up, can I offer something that might actually reconcile the points of view here? And I, that's pre- that's pretty much this. Like I completely understand you know where doomerism comes from. And I fight to like not get there myself. I also I don't believe in doomerism. I think that like you know saying that I I don't really care about anybody else or the the state of the world. Like it's it's just it's 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 not something that would ever occur to me to say. And frankly, it's not it's just not in my world view. That being said, I not everybody into America. Not everybody. Not it's not everybody's responsibility to have to like stand up and fight. Like listen, not everyone's not everybody's cut out for that. It's a long. It's a long, fucking difficult slog, and as we found out, like as you know, Karen and I have found out, you know, not every collective that says that they are for the liberation of oppressed people is really about that life. So knowing that, like, there are so many bad experiences, and knowing that, like, every left tendency has been eating itself since the 1960s, how do you even have faith in left politics as? organizationally or even institutionally. I understand that that's very difficult to come by. That being said, and this is the part where I think it's possible to reconcile these points of view. Um, the, the one you asked me like why it is that, you know, I went and like looked up my ancestry and all of that. And what was, what was the point? And I said, it was for my own edification. It's also understand that like, there is a strength in being able to reconnect with your ancestry, with, uh, you're not yet set and you've, I don't think that's 
history is politically salient. I think, though, that it does help create an anchor point for your sense of individuality and where does you stand, what you stand for, your morals, your beliefs, your values, etc. I'm not saying that all everything has to spring from that. I'm saying it does create at least an anchor point. And for a lot of people, their anchor point is in indigeneity. For some people, their anchor point is in Marxist theory. For some people, their anchor point is in economic achievement and social achievement and that sort of thing. The, the question is, what comes out of all that? Well, we know that what comes out of capitalism is your anchor point, which does value this false meritocracy, which does value competition, which does value the hoarding of wealth and calling that, uh, you know, having the winner's winner's mindset or winner's spirit or the hustle grind, whatever the fuck you want to call it, it does engender a certain kind of mentality that like, we, there's no way that we could have ended up anywhere other than where we are today out of that. But we also do know that this individualistic mindset was a reaction to, uh, to monarchy and aristocracy. And we also are aware that monarchy and aristocracy was itself a reaction to essentially like primitive anarchism and not anarchism in the sense that we understand it today, but in the sense that like there was no real sense of group cohesiveness. It was generally a war of all against all. And those who were able to appropriate and amass uh, vast sums of wealth in whatever way that you want to describe wealth um, could provide for their own welfare. And according to, you know, their own beliefs provide welfare for that of the citizenry. Why am I saying all this? Well, because I think, I think some areas of identity can be politically salient. I just think that where we make a huge mistake is where it becomes sort of the, the be all end all and the, the path of liberation. I absolutely don't believe that it is. And I think that with so many people that claim to espouse a certain kind of collective politics that don't actually believe in these things and use it to take advantage of other people to have like endless internecine fights. I think that that disillusions people so much to the idea of collective politics that that stalls any kind of forward progress whatsoever. So I completely understand both of your points of view on this. I think that you're both kind of reacting to the exact same set of conditions. And frankly, like if one person says, hey, listen, like I'm checking out, I'm done, you know, I'm through with any of this. And one other person says, you know what? No, 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 I'm going to fight until my last dying breath. I think both points of view are equally valid because the fact of the matter is we shouldn't be here in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I, and again, I'm I'm never going to begrudge anyone who, uh, you know, isn't cut out for that type of work or just doesn't have the heart to keep fighting anymore. I've I've stated that many many times. What I'm saying is like, uh, you don't get to have you don't get to be taken seriously in in a critique of you know any type of revolutionary politics, and then continue to hold that you will you know not be involved in it at all <laughs> for, for the express but nobody, uh, reason because but, because but nobody uh, said anything about being involved or not being involved okay you kind of implied that you don't do any activism or organizing right that but there's because, but there's another avenue you don't, you there's don't, a whole you, other you, avenue you, you, there's asymmetrical on, warfare I let, you, I let you speak i let you speak and i'm now i'm responding to you okay um you I, so so you also said that you don't you don't care what happened? You know, you said that. That's something you said uh, in in the very context of you not being an organizer or an activist, right? So that I mean, that's 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 what I'm drawing my conclusions from. Uh, you also accuse me of liberalism for for you know say, saying that doomerism is reactionary. And I'm sorry, you know, if if, if you commit to to uh, uh, not getting engaged in politics, 
uh, or or community on those grounds, that's reactionary. Like, like, and and you can you can call that accusation liberalism, but I mean it's just a statement of fact. It's, it's if it's if it's if it runs counter to any revolutionary project, whether you believe uh, that it will lead to collective liberation or not, that is reactionary. And when you when you ask me in pretty bad faith, I might add, like, uh, how's my fight for liberation doing? I would point that question back at you. How's doing nothing doing for you and your community? You know, and also you had mentioned something that I think a lot of particularly like indigenous people and people who are just connected to their ancestors would take serious issue with, which is like your ancestors failed you. Well, it's like my guy, it seems like you're maybe like not even connected enough with your ancestors to know whether that's even true or not, right? Um, and, and, and I think, you know, that, that is a reciprocal relationship, whether they're alive or not, is like, are you failing your ancestors? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you, you can render that judgment so casually, but it seems like you haven't done much investigation into that. But also, I think another, one more question I would put forward to you is to ask yourself very seriously, what kind of ancestor you want to be. Because if you do genuinely believe that our ancestors, all of our ancestors have failed us, uh, how are you going to be different, right? And that's, and that's not an insult, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just a challenge uh, that I think we all have to present to ourselves. It's like, uh, what kind of ancestors do we want to be? Right now, the, the way that politics work in the United States, I don't know about Canada, please excuse my ignorance. The way that politics works, courtesy of Citizens United, is that the lumber of the state, the only viable way of getting change is through money. Therefore, no matter how hard you try in organizing in the United States, you're going to hit the same roadblock over and over again. The only avenue that exists is asymmetrical warfare. That's the only way things will change. The other way that things will change is that people accumulate disposable income to be able to somehow take over some kind of a viable political entity. Unfortunately, both those things in the United States are mute. I don't care what you have to say to me, because the truth of the matter is, is I don't know, like, what are you willing to do? Have you like, you know, I, I, I get it. Actually, you know what? I admire that you're willing to do something. Me, on the other hand, the only thing that I can do is to figure out the circuits of how this shit works, make my life somewhat functional, and at the same time, understand that this thing is going to fucking run amok, even more worse than what it is right now. Hey, can I say something? KPMG, KPMG is an accounting firm in the United States. They project that societal collapse will take place by 2040. Okay, so um, first of all, I, 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 have to, I have a question and a comment. So uh, if you could go into what you mean by asymmetrical warfare, I'm curious about that. And secondly, it sounds to me like you do care. Because if you really didn't care, you wouldn't be over here telling us you don't care. Right? So I feel like you actually might care. And I understand a lot of citizens... Yeah, but my me like, not caring way too seriously. Maybe it's just an expression that I use, or maybe I'm just I'm, right, I'm coming right. across wrong. I, I do care. I care. I care. Look, here's the thing. I inherently, from the way I view the world as a Marxist, have compassion and empathy for all people. Everything human to me is not alien. I am not the enemy here. All I'm saying is, is that we have a very happy-go-lucky attitude that hasn't worked. And the only thing that really will work, like I said, is that asymmetrical warfare. How that takes place 
requires a totally different avenue of attack other than political. Okay, so may, I would, I'm still curious about like what you mean by that because I really I've never heard that phrase, text or. Any okay, text. So, so if you could. Uh, so, so if the so the current economy blood in my blood in my eye, George L. Jackson. That's what that's what I see is. Okay, you know, the, the current economy. The current economy is based on financial assets, correct? And the last time we seen we've seen the establishment actually get upset it was as a result of 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 what they did to Mel uh, to to Melville Capital, right? With GameStop, that is insane. That something so strange can actually upset the balance. I know it's not political violence. I know it's not some kind of, you know, strange, you know, intifada, but it, it, it worked. You know, we have to look at other other avenues other than politics because politics. Well, requires to- you, you really want to be careful about using the whole GameStop example because. Um, OK, hang on, hang on. All right. right. At the end, it didn't have a good result. It didn't well, no, no, have it's, not, it's result. not just that. It's not just that. It's also the fact that uh, it's it wasn't just um, it wasn't just the actions of like, you know, uh, gamers who wanted to save GameStop from being carved apart by uh, hedge funds. It also benefited other hedge funds like what they were able to do was sort of like swing that is public true. opinion. They were able to swing like uh, stock market opinion in one direction, but the actual momentum of it, like the velocity of money that caused that swing in the other direction, that massively overinflated uh, GameStop stock actually came from the capital of other hedge fund companies who themselves like cannibalized the hedge fund companies that were attempting to cannibalize GameStop. I, I don't disagree, but I'm saying there has to be another avenue other than, than, than politics, because right now, at least in the United States, it's a wash. I think that that's uh, that's valid, and honestly, I totally feel your frustration. I'm not I'm not like trying to mock you or put you down. I do feel it. Uh, I don't know your exact situation, obviously. I'm not coming from the same context, but uh, what I'm saying is that I think um, I agree. It's very hard, not just in the U.S. but also in Canada. Uh, I mean, right now we're dealing with a crisis uh, in the fundamental structure of what was supposed to be a socialist party in Canada, the Communist Party of Canada. And uh, it, there's obviously a, a serious problems in the structure and nature of the party and the leadership and the way, you know, it's been structured. But even if it, even if it was not having that issue, it's virtually impossible for anybody but the people with the most capital, you know, to get into power in the imperial court, in, in these countries especially. Um, and, I mean, it, it, is a, it, it is the entire system is so ossified and 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 rigid that it's virtually impossible so i think that there's you know you join a socialist party or you or you join dsa or you leave it or you become an anarchist or you do this or you join something that you think is going to be more effective um none of it seems to fucking work right like we're all just still sitting here and we still have to do our job and work for some stupid fucking company or whatever or be uh, unemployed or you know do freelance precarious work and then we still have to go you know buy our shit in walmart and amazon and you know we still have to you know we still have to be part of the same system and all of this effort that we're doing even those of us who tried to be in parties or whatever um, you know, it's it, even at its most, even when it wasn't completely uh, dysfunctional, it's completely ineffective because of the system. So I get your frustration and I'm not against other methods. I mean, I, I, I don't I really understand the whole like GameStop thing. I, I got to say, I'm not like a big finance person, but I mean, I think if go you know, watch whatever. my TikToks on it. I made so many TikToks I know, on it. I know. 
I got, I got to listen. TikTok is insane. I, I go there. I can't find anything. Um, but you know, I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying, uh, that it sounds to me like you do care and obviously, and yeah, you already addressed that. But I think that, you know, we, I, I think of it, you know, on because nowadays it's hard to me to think anything is going to work ever. But you know, I, 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 I've been on the, of the mindset that we should all do the things that we're good at and that, that are, um, accessible for us. So if you are good at, you know, I don't know, uh, music or whatever, or if you're good at raising children, or if you're good at farming, or if you're good at organizing people, talking to people, or if you're good at finance and figuring out some way, do it, do it. And everybody should be able to like, I feel like we should be able to do different things and work together and coordinate in some way, or at least share some goals. Because um, ultimately, like to me, it doesn't matter how we get there. What matters is that we get there. So I, I, I respect you. I don't know what you're doing exactly, Shnarf. I mean, but I think your, your, your heart's in the right place. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Sharf, I, 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 I would be very happy to continue this conversation with you, but I do feel like we need to uh, move on to some of the other callers uh, to make sure that they get a chance as well. But appreciate you, man. Appreciate uh, the conversation that you brought to us today. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks a lot, bro. All right, uh, Worldly Bong, what's up, man? Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right, all right. So I'm the official Austin account for this color revolution. And I do want to say, like, the whole... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. This, this whole thing has been embarrassing. Like, this whole co- Communist Party debacle has been embarrassing for uh, all the communists that are not a part of the party as well, because... Just before Jack came out with his initial statement, uh, the, uh, NDP, the Alberta NDP was in the news because of their sexual harassment uh, scandals. And every communist was like, of course, look at this bourgeois party trying to protect sexual harassers for their God. own class. I didn't, even, I didn't even see that. Only, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> only for it to bite all of us back in the ass, right? And And... I, I'm not surprised that they expelled the people they expelled because a lot of people spoke up about supporting Jack, but they only expelled like people who are very visible online and have like recruiting charisma. So like the three or four of you, like so they like picked them apart and like expelled them lest you recruit more people to replace them. I think that's what their paranoia was all about. And I really appreciate the stuff that I'm reading on Kiran's Twitter about all the motions that she tried to bring in and was dismissed by CEC. And the more I read that, and to me, that's all like a a culture of abuse. Because if I'm working really hard to bring something to the table and it gets immediately dismissed, it's just very abusive. That's how I look at it. Because if, 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 if that's what I did in my job... Like I worked really hard and I brought all these uh, initiatives only to be just hand waved. I would consider that abusive. So, yeah, I mean, at the very least, it sort of like lays the the groundwork or like lays the seeds of it because it basically says, yeah, you know, that's nice that you have all these wonderful ideas, but we don't actually, frankly, care about any of it. So, if you don't care about a person's ideas, then the next question becomes, well, do you value? Do you care about that person? Do you value that person at all? And the correct answer is like, no, they didn't really value any of us. And, you know, we, we, as long as we don't march in lockstep with the leadership on matters where it is completely against the constitution and a complete violation of like 
Marxist-Leninist principles altogether, um, that you know they're more wedded to loyalty to people than they are to ideas and principles and ideology. And frankly, like that's just not a party that I would ever want to be a part of. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Like when the, when there becomes um, a you know a, like a, a push towards loyalty to people and loyalty to institutions, then to and and to procedure especially like this whole idea that you have to follow the process. Like procedure and process doesn't create Marxism Leninism. Marxism Leninism is what creates procedures and process. So if you're leading with the whole procedures and process shit, and that was like what leapt to the front of your mind, like oh you all didn't follow the correct process, um, but you know exactly what the process that was, the process that needed to be followed. You know exactly what it was for, and that was for bringing to people's attention that hey it is wrong that the Parkdale Club was not informed that somebody who had bona fide committed sexual harassment, uh, that they were not notified about that and uh, didn't have the opportunity to decide for themselves as to whether he should remain a member of their club and what that means for the central committee, that they let him stay on a central organizer, then, yeah, there, there, there's, a more, there's more loyalty and there's more like pressure to observe rules and process than to actually observe any principle. And I want to ask one question, uh, and I'll hang up after that. The question is, how do these, all these fuckers get into power and keep their power for so long? Like, what is the procedure? Because I see the same thing in CPUSA as well, right? Because uh, initially, uh, maybe I was ignorant, I thought CPUSA was like a predominantly black party. Maybe <laughs> until you know, Q posted this uh, clip and I saw just a bunch of white people saying, vote Democrat. Uh, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. I thought they were a predominantly black party. And then somebody corrected me. I think it was Silver, uh, saying that no, they have they, these are the leaders, and they have been in power for a long time. And now I'm seeing the same thing in Canada, where these people have been there for decades, and there is like not even like a rotation or anything to bring any fresh ideas in. So, what's the procedure? How do these people get elected? Like. Who, like, who puts them in power? Like, how does this work? Because at some point, then we have to, like, also, like, look at maybe the rules suck. I don't know. I'll just hang up now. <laughs> well, um, first of all, uh, to be fair, the CPUSA does have way more black people than the CP Canada. Okay, CP Canada, I think, I don't know if there's many left after they booted Q. Um, and they've also booted other uh, black um, um, members. Not not that long ago, but I won't get into all that. But there's definitely way more black people and indigenous people. Well, I can say for sure black people in CPUSA than in CP Canada, even proportionally speaking. Um, that said, as far as how they stay in power, and that's a long story. Some of it I don't even know because they kept keep it all hidden and secret. But basically, you know, the party Canada Canadian Party was started hundred over hundred years ago. <sighs> A lot of shit happened, <laughs> um, you know, and it was aligned with the USSR for the most part. And when the USSR broke up in like the early 90s, um, this party went through a major crisis. And the people who are currently in charge actually um, uh, tried to keep the party more uh, orthodox the way the Soviet Union had been. And like basically a whole bunch of other people, including people who were in leadership, um, decided that, no, they were no longer... Like they didn't believe in Marxism anymore, or something. So they, they're they, this this crew that's still in charge. Um, they basically 
you know, save the party from what they call the liquidationists because they were trying to like liquidate all of the party's assets and like they had properties and like the party was a lot wealthier overall. But somehow these guys sued them, sued the actual like central co- committee at the time or people in the central committee who were uh, who were holding on to those assets. And then uh, these guys who are Kurds, um, won some, they won some kind of where they get to keep the name Communist Party of Canada and those other guys got to keep a lot of the assets. So these guys basically just kept the brand name and then those the other people got a lot of money out of it. And then they took that money and they blew it somewhere in some newspaper that only ran for like a very short time. So again, I'm trying to give you what I know, which is not a lot. I'm, maybe there's, I'm sure there's a lot more detail out there. But um, once they saved the name, the brand name, Communist Party, they literally got the trademark, like the brand name. And then they kind of built, rebuilt the party, but they, they took a while because for the first, like in the 90s, they basically hunkered down and didn't, like there was very little growth during that time period. And then it was really in the 2000s, mid 2000s, where they started to grow. Um, and even in the last two years during the pandemic, I joined like five years ago. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of growth going on at the time. It was very slow. But in the last two years, it's really, um, like gone up by a lot, not just in this party, but in socialist and uh, communist organizations around like all over in the Western world, because, you know, things are getting shittier. Also, there's a younger generation of people for whom uh, communism is not a big, bad word. And they didn't grow up in the Cold War. So, you know, they can, they're being in a communist party or whatever, socialist or communist organization. So for that reason, the party has grown quite a bit. But as Q said, there's a huge backlog. They didn't, their infrastructure hasn't grown. They basically still were operating as a very, very tiny little, you know, uh, organization. Their main focus has been on electoral politics. So they do run candidates. They get very few votes, but it's a huge part of what the party does. Every provincial and and federal election, and, and in some cases municipal too, but mostly federal and provincial. Um, and, uh, well, municipal, they don't run, it's not by party, it's only individuals run. Anyway, so um, their big focus is that, and then there's like some other organizations, and it's mostly putting out statements, like, you know, something's happening in the world, so they put out a statement. Every few years they have a convention, they kind of rewrite the platform a little bit, but things don't really change that much. It's the same few people that are in leadership that have been in leadership since the early 90s. They kind of swap them around a little, like this person becomes provincial leader here, then he becomes provincial leader there, then, you know, she becomes party leader, and then they kind of swap around. And then there's some younger people, almost exclusively white people, almost exclusively white men, just going to put that out there, who are who have been groomed to take over some of these leadership positions. Um and in fact, the person who I think, uh, you know, was uh, the sexual harassment person who was who was who, who this whole thing happened because of, I think he was one of the people who was probably being, um, you know, groomed for leadership at some point. But um, my point is that they they kind of do that. It does. It's not a meritocracy. OK, it's not based on who does the best job at whatever or who has the best ideas or who's the most hardworking or dedicated. It's basically who the leadership, the entrenched leadership thinks will toe the line and will continue they have done or, or continue to do it the way they've done it. And so that's why when, um, you know, I think um, I think you brought up the, yeah, I, I've been talking about stuff that I, on my Twitter, I've been talking about like the nuclear energy issue and there's other things. I talked today about the indigenous, uh, the settler, colonial, settler colonialism debate. And these are just a couple of things. There's a lot more uh, that I will also share. 
Um, and I've been sitting on it and I've not talked about it publicly, obviously, because, you know, I was under an oath of democratic centralism and I really tried for five years to, um, you know, if you notice, I didn't talk about any of this, right? This was all happening while I was doing tweeting and doing other things publicly, but I didn't talk about it because I respected and upheld my vow and, or my pledge, uh, to respect democratic centralism, which meant that I was supposed to only work on these things internally, but externally, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily make it, uh, uh, make a public uh, criticism of what the party is doing. But now I'm not under any such oath because I was expelled, um, even though I was working my ass off, like I said, for five years, trying to do, you know, make things better where um, to improve the party so that it's more up to date, so it's more effective, things like that. I I did brought it, bring in a lot of people, uh, sometimes directly and many times indirectly. And so did Q. Um, and so did um, the other people who were expelled along with us. Um, so, and then they expelled me and then like, I'm no longer bound by Demcent. So technically I'm not, I'm not breaking any Demcent now. Um, and so, but I do have some things which I think, and I'm sharing these things not to, uh, you know, not to be like, I'm not trying to make revenge or anything. I still believe in socialism. I still think it's necessary. It's socialism or extinction, that's it. Um, I'm sharing these things because I'm hoping that if I couldn't get the, if, if I couldn't make uh, people in leadership accountable while I was there and I was supposed to be quiet about it, there's this culture of silence, culture of, then I'm hoping that maybe they'll feel some pressure from the outside because these things really do need to change. Sexual harassment, there's no sexual harassment policy in the Communist Party of Canada. There is no anti-sexual harassment. And it's been brought up over and over and over and promises are made sometimes. Yeah, sure, we'll do that. And there's nothing that happens. So that's happened. And there's records of it. Lots of people have all of that documented. I'm not just making this up. Then there's no, uh, the indigenous sovereignty issue and the settler colonialism issue, completely like tossed aside. No matter how many times you bring it up, oh, you know, there's all these excuses. I made a thread about it today. Uh, and then other things, there's also the Palestine issue, which I haven't even talked about yet. There's issues with their engagement with LGBT people, which I haven't talked about yet. So these are all things that I am gonna talk about because I feel like, um, uh, and of course they're, their hatred of technology, which is just hilarious. But uh, our, our account, what is it, CPC PitchBot, whoever runs that, you rock, by the way, if you're here. Um, and um, that is like one of the best things ever. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that like, I'm not under Demset anymore. Um, I'm not trying to destroy anything, but I am, I am going to not sh keep my mouth shut because I fucking tried to play by the rules. And you know, if these guys don't understand that these things need to be updated, then they're going to be criticized for it. I mean, I'm sorry, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not bad. And you're also a tiny little fucking party. You don't have any fucking excuse not to be uh, dynamic and not to be like able to like be in touch with what's going on in the world. So I'll just stop there. Hey, Q, if you're talking, I cannot hear you. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I was going to say, like, what part of the game... Uh, you've gone again. Can't hear you. You're cutting in and out. Yeah, accidentally unplugged my microphone. Yeah. Okay. No, I was saying, like, what part of the game is it when communist parties are afraid of criticism? Like, I, I, I wasn't aware that communist parties were never meant to be criticized. Is I, if you are a strong party, criticism is supposed to be like the backbone of your organization because only through criticism can you actually address. Only with your criticism can you address issues, and if you're not addressing issues, and you're not actually a communist party, you're just a centralized cult, you know? Right, well, Q, you have to, you don't understand. 
once every three years, you can <laughs> beg somebody to allow you to go and politely ask people, maybe like fax them your your application, and then maybe talk really nicely and be like, please, Mr. Leader, Miss Leader of the party, if this is possible, could you maybe consider this? And if not, I mean, I don't want to inconvenience you too much. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry. Most democratic change. organization in Canada. That was fucking wild. Anyway, Violet, what's up? Uh, what you got for us, Violet? Hey, y'all. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah hey, Violet. You. Good to see you here. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad I was able to catch this. I've missed doing this stuff. But... Are you there? Uh-oh. Breaking up, Violet. Can't hear you. Yeah, you just, yeah, you cut out there. Are you, are you by chance borrowing Liz Raleigh's internet connection? Uh... No, what, what's... No, I was going to say something's going on with the call-in app, man. Yeah, it, it has been kind of buggy of late. There's been like a, you know, a million updates in the last uh, couple of weeks, and uh, sorry about that. Violet, you know what? I'm going to um, move on to Brian, but if you manage to get to the bottom of your tech issue, just feel free to jump back into the caller queue. Again, no rule saying that you can only come into the, the caller queue once. Yeah, come back, Violet, if you can. All right, Brian. Yeah, I really want to hear what Violet has to say as well. What's up, Brian? <laughs> Hey, y'all. Sorry you're dealing, dealing with this stupid bullshit. You know, from from where I'm at in, in North Carolina, it really does sound like the CPC was essentially, it got the DSA 2017 membership ship surge into an organization that has the internal political culture of the, of the ISO pre-dissolution. Um, one of the things, and, and I can share this a little bit with... Um, 10 years of experience as a union organizer in the South, and I think this is really kind of crucial, is at the end of the day, like, for effective political organization to take place, there has to be trust. And I think more than anything, what y'all are dealing with is is a betrayal of, of your trust and all this time and energy and effort that you put in, you know? And, and, and that is something that is very difficult to to sort of get your head around because um, I've dealt with that too. Like it, it really fucking sucks when you find that you've spent a lot of time trying to build something only to have people fucking tear it down, you know, and, and not, not respect the work that you've done. That's one of the things that just bothered me about this. I mean, beyond all of the obvious, uh, and beyond all of the obvious, very worrisome, uh, issues that this brought up it's the fact that they just fucking wasted people's time you know yeah I mean Mikey will probably remember from the 2019 DSA convention just how how much of a fucking pull it was to get the decolonization resolution and, and sort of the Cuba solidarity stuff to get voted on like people were trying to stymie it despite it being extremely fucking popular within the organization to the point where now like DSA's international work is honestly some of the most dynamic parts of the organization. Um, it and so seeing people just refuse to actually like let people do this kind of work, valuable work, and, and experiment. Right? Like I think the thing that sort of frustrates me is people fixate so much on finding the perfect line rather than creating a process to create a line. You know, because even if you nail it dead on right off the bat, 
like situations change and you have to be able to adapt with how situations have changed. And, and these folks, they just don't seem like they're particularly interested in seeing how the world shifted and how it changes, you know, and it, it it's, it is horrendous, you know, and, 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 and that kind of insularity breeds like an environment where people just mistake control for power. Like they've got control over their little fiefdom here. And so they think they have power when what they just have is control over an extremely small organization where they think they're more relevant than they actually are. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're right. Absolutely. They, they seem to be acting like they have, I mean, they really, they really, Liz Rowley really seems to believe she speaks for the entire working class. And the people, the few people that are like uh, sort of playing along, um, they tend to be, I'm like amazed at people are willing to like sacrifice their own critical thinking skills, their own conscience, okay, um, and their friendships and their like broader relationships with with other people they called that they called comrades and uh, the larger community, you know, like you're willing to sacrifice all that because you think what? Like, what do you actually think is going to happen here? This is an ossified party made up of people who think they own this party. They think it's their, like, business. It's They think it's their private property. And nobody else can do what they do or anything close to it. You know, and they're going, like Liz Rowley is going around saying that... Uh, 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 people who, you know, I mean, of course, she thinks it's all faction, faction, faction everywhere, faction. You got a faction. You got a faction. Like everybody who criticizes her is a factionalist, and it's like, no, we have not, we have not anything in common. We're doing our own thing. I'm, what I'm saying is nothing to do with what Hugh is saying. It's nothing to do with what, you know. She picked these four people, as other people have said, for specific reasons. I think because of our visibility um, online, especially because they hate online. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, like, the, what I'm saying is that, like, anybody who's, like, going along with this because they think that they're going to, like, that this is the way to get socialism, like, you have completely lost touch with your own brain, your own conscience, and everybody else in the world. You are in a, like, you are acting like you're a cult. You're in a cult. I'm sorry. That's what that does. Because when you're in a cult, let me just put it this way. Not only are you told that everybody else is against us, we are only the only right ones, we are only the we are the correct ones, and everybody else is like somehow stupid or beneath us or evil or sinful. You are also taught that anybody who leaves that cult, you now have to denounce them. You have to fucking like in some cults you have to sit there and criticize them. They're they're like family members have to cut off contact with them, right? With the, any like this is what happens in like Scientology and stuff like that. So like this is what's happening with some of these people that people that like know who I am, some of the people that I brought into the party. Okay? They're now acting like I'm some kind of like demon from outer space. And it's like, you know who I am, you know? And you know what I'm saying is right. Why are you standing with like uh, people who have covered for sexual uh, sexual abuse and then broke the constitution and have now expelled people who are saying, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And yet these people are acting like we, you know, they have to like distance themselves from us. They have to like lash their backs with like, you know, uh, vines or something and, and cleanse their, purify their spirit. And I mean, it's absolutely like bonkers to watch. And especially if you are like, like, no, this is not what the real world is. This is literally a fiefdom, like you said, of like, I don't know, 50 people or something across Canada. And you all are like just absolutely bonkers. 
Yeah, I mean, the notion that anybody can own a movement or a movement organization, I mean, I got taught pretty early on that at most I'm a caretaker as an organizer. Like, this work was handed to me by other people, and when the time comes, I hand it off to others. And I have an obligation to take care of it as best I can in in the intervening period. But I'm sorry y'all are dealing with this shit. I'm going to hop off so that Violet can can chip in now that it seems like she's back in the queue. Y'all have a lovely evening. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. Hey, Q, I think you're going to have to... Oh, there you go. Oh, crap. I missed them. <laughs> sorry, I was on a, like a, a, a meeting call in between. It's been that kind of week. There's, there's plenty... So, oh yeah, uh, just just real quick, like uh, uh, the reason I'm like, just like jamming in a million directions is like June 30th is the deadline for the Navy to submit a plan to the Department of Health for how they're going to defuel Red Hill. And we expect them based on like intel that they've given us themselves uh, in this recent tour that we did of the Red Hill facility. So I was actually in Red Hill yesterday for the first time in my life. Um, and it's fucking horrible in there. Um, but, uh, like they're, they're saying that, you know, they're, they're submitting a plan that's probably going to claim that they need like two years just to make repairs before they can even be fueled. So like the first weeks of July are going to be pretty big for us because we got to make a, like a big noise about that. And just, yeah, just the fact that July 4th is coming up and that's a pretty big day in Hawaii, but not for the reasons that most other people celebrate it. <laughs> it's more of kind of like a, a celebration of resistance against the very notion of America. So yeah, there's that to plan as well. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, and, and Mikey, I completely appreciate that. And I understand you being pulled in a million different directions. Uh, Sean, you had something for us. Sean, are you there? Okay, all right. I'm going to move back on to Violet. Hopefully, Violet's been able to uh, correct the sound issue. Hey, can you hear me? Can hear you. What's up? Yes. Did I did did I get anything in before I got cut off? No. Oh, okay. I think the app crashed. Um. Okay. So, hey, y'all. I missed you. Um. Missed uh, Spacing. Um. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that were brought up and um, I feel like this conversation has been coming up a lot for me recently. The, um, the aid poll versus class thing. Um, and I feel like much like with most things in life, the, the thing that's like often missing in these conversations is balance. Um, I, f- I, f- I feel like a lot of these liberals that are so obsessed with IDPOL use it as a way, like Mikey said, to continually do absolutely nothing, but while virtue signaling that they really, truly do care. Like, we hear you, we see you. Um, and just something that Snarf had said that we shouldn't focus on identity because it's not real. Um, they had said something like, you know, well, why focus on race? Race is, is not a biological, et cetera, reality. Um, and, you know, that's totally correct, of course. We know race is a social construct. Um, but it also has material effects on our lives and that's where we get into kind of the opposite end of the spectrum where I found 
again, lately, especially, I don't know why this conversation has been coming up so often, but um, I've been encountering a lot of, I guess, um, let's just say fragile white folks who identify as Marxist-Leninists, but then use the Marxist-Leninist ideology as a sort of like shield from having to deal with the realities of uh, identity-based depression. Um, and if you bring up identity at all, you're automatically branded a liberal or an identity reductionist. Um, and I posted I posted this in the chat. Uh, like, I had just earlier today read the thread that Kieran had wrote about how the CPC um, refused to recognize Canada as a settler colonial state, which is, of course absolutely absurd and from my understanding the reasoning for it was pretty much so as not to alienate the white working class but then what about the indigenous people that are being alienated by this refusal to recognize material reality in favor of protecting the fifis of settlers um so that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, and then just to touch on what I think the topic of the room was kind of supposed to be, um, I just wanted to express my solidarity with Jack and the other victims of this creep. And as a survivor, I just want to express my gratitude to Kieran Q and the many others who actually had the integrity to stand with the victims, even in the face of expulsion from a party that they put so much of their heart and soul into. And I just want to express, I guess, my um, exasperation with the fact that abusers are kind of allowed to run amok on the left, despite us talking so much about justice and accountability. Uh, So, yeah. Thank you, Violet. Thanks, Violet. Appreciate that. I guess one thing that, like, you know, because uh, I don't know, I, I think people, I think people think that we had it out for Jay in a particular way, and the truth is, I don't. I think if, like, okay, Karen, you tell me if if you agree with what I'm about to say, but like, if it had been handled this way, if it had been handled in such a way as, all right, Jay, listen, like, that's kind of fucked up. You know that you're not supposed to do that. Like, you just you know that you took advantage of your position essential organizer um and it's it's just not conducive to what we stand for as a party so you you can't actually you cannot have your position essential organizer anymore however if after a certain period of time let's say i don't know we suspend you for like 60 days we're going to highly encourage that you uh you know go and seek treatment for your alcohol problem um and whatever else might have caused you to have such a shocking lapse in judgment and integrity at whatever point you want to come back, you can always reapply or maybe your club can take a vote on having you remain a member. Uh, but you can't maintain your position as central organizer. So at whatever point that you come back after you've gotten the necessary treatment and everything else that you need to actually, you know, return as a principled communist, um, that other people will feel comfortable around and can trust. Then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But you would have to basically start over from scratch. Now, if they did something like that, where there's a pathway to coming back into the party and sort of restoring his integrity, both with like the victim and with like with other club members, etc., 
and you know working his way back into people's good graces and showing that like he has the ability to you know correct himself based on the necessary criticisms and necessary like work that he had to go through i think that that for me at least i don't know what jack thinks of this or what you think of this kieran because he's part of your club for me that would generally satisfy what i think would be the necessary form of discipline that he does have to i guess sort of pay a cost for abusing his his abilities and privileges but at the same time there's still a door open to him that when he does do the work on himself that it's not like we just like socially kill him like you know that 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 he's just like no longer socially alive he's shunned from the communist party and from life in general i just don't believe in that kind of stuff but i think that like swinging so far in the opposite direction that you um prevent any kind of consequences altogether it's it's just as if not more destructive yeah thanks for bringing that up um and thanks violet for all your comments uh um so I have uh, – Jay Watts is one of the reasons that I joined the party. There were mm. two people in me to join the party. One was Jay and Latif, who has passed away since then. Um, and I was I, – uh, I, I, I thought we were even friends and Jay for a while, at least for the first couple of years. And when the pandemic hit, everybody kind of ended up being siloed off and just having meetings online. And we did, I, I felt like disconnected. Uh, but I just want to, I'm just giving that background to explain that, um, you know, Liz Rowley and some other people are using this term restorative justice. You know, they're going around and they're saying the reason that Jay didn't get any more than three months slap on the wrist, you know, basically paid vacation is because we believe in restorative justice. Um, and they're trying That's to not use how that, that works. phrase. Yeah, they're trying to use that phrase to justify, A, not really uh, giving him the proper... Um, disciplinary uh, measures and not and then also of course breaking the constitution which the CEC did I'm going to repeat that again I will never stop saying it the CEC broke the constitution and did not tell the club okay so um, all of that is not restorative justice restorative justice means you make things right okay that there are that the person needs to be, um, ha- a uh, uh, get like they might need to be removed to keep other people safe or themselves, first of all, uh, and, and that could be that could vary. So that could have meant that again. I mean, what what supposedly the CEC said was stay away from YCL, but they did they didn't enforce it, and Jay didn't stay away from YCL, and the CEC knew about that he wasn't staying away from YCL, and they didn't seem to enforce it, uh, except for a couple of times when Jack actually made a point to tell them, hey, I'm going to be there. Can you please make sure Jay's not there? But it shouldn't be up to the victim, right? It should be up to the people who are in charge, who are the leaders. Um, so again, uh, what they followed was not restorative justice. It was just this loosey-goosey, hey, he's just our buddy. You know, let's give him a little slap on the wrist and then hope it all just kind of blows over. Uh, they gave him three months to supposedly go get help with his drinking and fix his mental whatever problems that he, that were causing him to do this. That is not enough time. Anybody will tell you, anybody, you know, anybody will tell you three months is not enough time. to. I mean, Jay Watts, um, he was very knowledgeable. He is very knowledgeable. He is, I think he has some great characteristics, but he is somebody who needs help. He has had a lot of personal trauma happen in the last few years. I know that. I'm not going to go into it. But I, my WhatsApp with him is full of me begging him to tell me what I can do to help him, asking him if there's anything I can do to help him. Okay, so I can speak for myself 
that there were many, many times when I saw that he was drunk posting or he was, you know, down or he missed some meetings that I wrote to him and I said, hey, is there anything I can do? Do you need help? Can I can I do anything? I always personally did that. And I know other people who did that, too. But because I think he was coddled by some other people. And then um, I think, you know, a lot of people, when they go through trauma, sometimes they, they don't want to deal with the emotional like fallout of that. Uh, especially when there's complex, you know, family injury and stuff like that. And then sometimes people turn to alcohol and other uh, harder drugs. Um, and it can be a downward spiral unless somebody intervenes and says, hey, I'm, I, I care about you and I want you to get help and I need you to do this. And I wish that the people who right now act like we are the bad guys and they're all about restorative justice had been his real friends when he needed that. Okay, that's what I mean. That's restorative justice is when you... Make sure that either a, a, a person who's hurting that you can see is on a bad path doesn't go so far that they completely ruin their own or somebody else's life. And you get them help before things so get so bad. You watch your friends. I mean, what is the point? Friends are not just there to party with. And this is the uh, culture with a lot of people is that they think it's just about friends or just about partying together. And you don't care. When you, it's obvious somebody is hurting. It's obvious somebody is traumatized, you know, and having all kinds of issues. You have to try to help them. I mean, I know not everybody's going to accept help, but you have to try. You can't just sit back and do nothing and then be like, oh, why is everybody else upset about it? Um, so anyway, and then what I, what I think, uh, no, Jay Watts should not be, uh, uh, I don't believe in any of that shit. I don't believe in, you know, burning anybody up or whatever. Most people can get help and, and, and deserve and do deserve to get help. Yeah, there's some people, I think, who are probably, you know, write-offs. I don't think Jay Watts is one of them. But, again, it's not up to me. That also, uh, I'm not the final say on that. We would have to consult with Jack, who's not here, as far as I know. So I don't want to say that I can speak for Jack. They are, the, um, I think, the person who should be consulted on some of these things as well. Um, but I think, absolutely, if, if, uh, if the proper procedure had been followed, you know, if you want to talk about proper procedure, um, the CEC would have notified um, Parkdale. First of all, they would have, there was a, okay, there was a, I won't get into details, but at the same time that this was happening with Jay Watts, there was another person in Parkdale who was being disciplined for um, basically yelling at somebody else, at a couple of people. Um, mm -hmm. And this person was a person of color, a brown guy, and he was given a, a disciplinary uh, measure of a suspension of one year from the party and then he in order to come back he had to prove that he had taken care of his uh whatever aggression or whatever so he was given a much harder sentence for yelling at somebody and jay watts was basically given a three-month paid leave and he did not have to leave the party and he wow for for touching somebody for kissing somebody for going after somebody he didn't yell i guess but he did all these other things so that's what i'm saying is that you know there is a you have to look at these things and you have to say, why was this one person treated this way? Another person treated that way. Um, and I do think that Jay Watts should have gotten help. If, if, if Liz Rowley and his other friends actually really not, not that she's his friend, but if these people cared about Jay Watts, they would have actually given him time and taken him by, the, by hand if needed to get actual help and therapy and checked up on him and made sure that he was getting help. And then that he, he, he went drinking with Parkdale. As I put in my note, if you go to my Twitter profile, he went on a social with Parkdale in December, and it's all documented, and people in the CEU, and they didn't tell Parkdale that he was not supposed to be drinking, and he was not supposed to be around YCLers. So, um, you know, what I'm saying is that they, they, they were not his friends, and they can't act now like they were 
protecting him. I mean, they were protecting him, but they weren't doing it for his sake. I don't think they even care about Jay. I mean, this is what I mean is that Jay is actually, I, I think he has great, um, I, I, he always gave, came across to me as he had like a lot of potential. He is, you know, hurting for a lot of reasons, like a lot of people are. And that means those people need help. If we're communists, we should be building committees of that actually can support people who need that support. We can't just be communists on paper where we like argue with people, you know, who call us tankies. And then we say, oh, you know, Stalin did nothing wrong or whatever, which, which is whatever. I mean, I'm just saying we can't just that's not what communism is. Communism is like it has to be in practice. In OK, real but, life with but real just people. just so we're clear, Stalin didn't do anything wrong. But sorry, go ahead. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just, it's it, like to me, a lot of people for a lot of people and like uh, whatever catchphrases. And it's like, no, um, to me, if you don't live that experience, like it's like if you're if you are a guy and you call yourself a feminist or you think you are a feminist, but you like wait for your girlfriend to quit, you're probably not a feminist. OK, you have to like live it. You can't just like wear a T-shirt and be like, OK, well, I'm this. Um, so what I'm saying is uh, I don't I don't know where I went with all of this, but yes. I don't think Jay or anybody or almost anybody is above restorative justice, but it has to be done not as an excuse. You can't say restorative justice as a way to excuse not doing anything or not doing enough to actually um, make sure that to make things right. And what that means, that could mean different things in different scenarios. And it also means actually consulting with the with the um, with the victim. And and what what one another failure was when the victim came back and marched and they said and Jack said. This wasn't enough. You're not enforcing this right. You're not, I'm still running into him. Then they kind of brushed Jack, Jack off and said, "Well, go, you know, go to appeals, or if, if you go to appeals, it'll be, you know, they they didn't even like follow through with with that. So they're not doing this. Restorative justice would have been getting Jay help, making sure he's separated from people he could hurt, getting him help so he actually gets better, real help, meaningful help, and then yes, reinstating him if he shows that he is not doing any of that. And, and making sure that Jack and anybody else who might have come forward, you know, is part of that process and is, is consulted before, uh, you know, reinstating them so that you make things right. That's, the, that's what it means. It doesn't mean punishing somebody forever. Uh, that's not what I want. That's not what we want. By we, I mean those of us who are critical, I mean, for the peop couple people that I know. Um, that is not what anybody here that I know wants. We, not, nobody here wants to. Uh, wants Jay to be ruined for life. I mean, I don't. And I think that there's a path for that, but it has to be done correctly without making excuses and acting like everybody else is a bunch of idiots and we can just like, you can just like say whatever and we're not going to notice what you're actually doing. You know, it's like insulting to our intelligence. A lot of us are survivors and have worked in capacities where we had to deal with these things. So, you know, for some people and many people in the party to act like, they can just rough shot over this and nobody's going to notice it's it's not only is it wrong and, and, and unethical it is insulting to my intelligence well uh i have no further thoughts on the matter i'm glad that we're able to get it out in one sort of emotional purge session because i never want to talk about any other shit again having to do with the party to be perfectly honest that's pretty much it for me that's uh that's my final say on the matter but um kieran uh, i just want to thank you for uh another I was going to say thank you for another week, you know, of the show, and um, thanks for uh, for for uh, coming back with me for another Thursday, Mikey as well. But I also want to thank you for like I don't know, just being the kind of person that you are, you know, and that uh, you kind of keep my faith in humanity alive. I mean, I said to you several times that you're one of the reasons that I joined the Communist Party. And Jay was actually another reason that I I joined the Communist Party of Canada. I mean, I just I thought that he was. Um, 
knowledgeable and you know principled and a whole lot of things it was it was disappointing what happened but to be perfectly honest like my problem was never with jay in the first place uh the problem for me always was the cec response to everything and the way that they moved to protect it, to protect jay from consequences and shut everybody else out of the decision i thought that was just completely against the constitution against the principles of democratic centralism and frankly i don't know that they're ever going to recover from this and fuck it i hope they don't um i hope that jay gets the help that he needs i hope that he can someday return to the struggle in some capacity i just think that he needs to get the necessary help and and do the emotional work to you know both like work on himself and to sort of like undo some of the damage that he did to the party to jack etc but i think it can be done i certainly hope that he comes back at some point um much much better i haven't reached out to him myself i don't think that i plan to for the time being i don't know that that would be very helpful at all for right now but if anybody's listening that knows him and has a conversation with him just let him know like hey bro this was never about you and i hope you get better soon anyhow um i i I just want to reiterate that and i i i also want to tell jack that you know i mean i hope that you know a a lot of this is me i have felt responsible for jack because i was in the executive in parkdale and one of the reasons that i've had a lot maybe some people are like why is kieran freaking out about this because a it's a pretty serious matter but also because i was in the parkdale executive and i was personally responsible um for you know keeping jack safe and i was not given the knowledge that i needed to do that and not just Jack, but a lot of other people who were, you know, Jay was not supposed to be around. If Parkdale mm-hmm. had had that information, we might have made a decision for ourselves what to do, given every all the other information, you know. Um, and, yeah, that might have involved Jay being suspended for a little while or for a year or whatever. But that's a decision that the Parkdale Club was supposed to make, and that was taken from us. And then that was – that meant we were made complicit, even against our will, against our knowledge. We were made complicit. And that is not something that I take lightly. And so I, I also want to say to Jack, uh, you know, that um, I will always stand by you and, um, you know, I'll do my best to try to make up for that. And I really also to Jay, I do think you need help and I think you get you deserve it and you do deserve to be happy. And I hope that you get what you, you need to, to get better and that you are able to make it right someday with Jack and with us. Thank you. Yeah. Ditto. And can right, I just Look, say, Karen, sorry, it's not your fault. Like you're not responsible for the actions of a perpetrator and you're not responsible for the fact that, you know, the, the governing body of your organization had a responsibility to give you this information and they did not. That's on them, not on you. Love you. Thank you very much. I really do. All right, Shell. Well, thank you for the, uh, the love fest. It's great to be back here again. And I'm looking forward to speaking to you all again next week on, I don't know, some lighter topic. Maybe we can talk about woodworking and furniture or some shit. I don't fucking know. Anyway, y'all have yourselves a great long weekend. Take care. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye.